Welcome back to Bite Size. I'm super excited to have one of my good friends and one of my favorite people in the entire world of marketing, um, Jordan, on the show. She is currently Director of Marketing at Crown Affair, uh, previously has led marketing at brands like New Republic and Buck Mason. Jordan, thank you so much for chatting with me. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And I definitely bailed on saying your last name, actually. So we just spoke <laughs> about that. But for everybody out there, it's Jordan Kasaus. Beautiful. You said it perfect. Amazing. Okay, Jordan Kasaus. Um, well, Jordan, that was my quick intro of you. Um, tell us a bit more about who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself as Director of Marketing at Crown Affair. Yeah. Well, thank you for the lovely intro. Um, so exactly that. I am currently director of marketing at a company called Crown Affair, which is a clean hair care brand. Um, have been in the D2C startup space for about six years now. Um, so kind of leading up to director of marketing and kind of just overseeing our overall marketing function on the D2C side at Crown Affair. So I say D2C because we have a huge Sephora arm now with it for about a year now. And then we have our direct side. So overseeing all of our marketing channels on the direct side. So it really led from my experience with just overall performance and the back end of things, but also on the creative side and the brand side, just as you know, being in the startup space and being DDC, you wear a lot of hats. And so I think that's been one of my biggest passions in my career is really focusing on the creative side and diving into that world um, and the brand side, but also really learning and diving into the performance and analytical side of marketing. And so that is how we've ended up here today. So overseeing, when I say brand, it's channels like, um, you know, events, partnerships, uh, influencer marketing, social, PR, things like that. And then on the, the digital side, email, SMS, paid, e-com. So <laughs> just a little bit of everything. Just a little bit of everything. Thankfully, I have the most incredible team um, of four now. And so it's been, uh, they're absolutely amazing. So it makes my job easy and fun. But um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, to that, to that, um, no, actually, you, like you mentioned, there's so many channels. There's, it's DTC, but you're also looking at retail. Like marketing is complex, right? So how do you, with everything that you have, um, kind of under you as director of marketing, how do you approach setting your overall marketing goals, channel strategy? How do you think about measurement and success? Like, what's the framework? How do you have that set up? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. We are, we're a team of about 15 and we have, you know, we all work remote. So communication is key and it is so, so important. So I say that because very clear goals, very clear expectations across, you know, our department heads. So myself and then my team is crucial. So it kind of starts, you know, from an, from exact and from a high level. So as high as we have to hit X in revenue this year, we're launching in Sephora, we're launching a new product. So high level, we do an annual summit every year, looking at the year ahead. We do that in about August. And so it starts there from, this is what our next year looks like. These are our top line goals, things like that. So then department heads kind of take that and we sit and strategize all the way from ideation to execution and working with our teams. So, I mean, I can give like a product launch, for example, you know, we're we have a product catalog of about 15 SKUs, pretty small. Um, every product we say is a hero product. And so let's say we launch about two SKUs a year. Um, so we take a lot of time. And so let's just kind of use a product one, for example. So 
we know we're launching X product in a year. Um, that kind of sits with our, our brand team. And so they kind of come up with campaign messaging, ideation, overall uh, just campaign direction. And then that takes, that leads into marketing. So myself and then our creative team to come up with art direction while simultaneously I'm working through, how are we gonna sell this? What are our customers going to say? How are they going to, what's their behavior going to be like? What are our goals and metrics um, from every single thing you can possibly think of from top of funnel metrics and goals to how our current customers are going to use this that have bought every single product and multiple times and how are, how are they going to use this in their routine? So that's kind of where it leads and where it begins and, you know, build out a full 360 marketing plan. We dive into our go-to-market strategy, and this is months in the process. Um, we work closely with our brand and creative team to kind of come up with these overall goals and direction and then bring it all to execution. And then I, one big goal for us this year, just we're three years old now, and so top of funnel is huge. Um, so in terms of success, things like customer acquisition, traffic, overall sales, things like that are, are so important. Um, but then also, like I said, you know, just really full funnel, like what worked, what didn't. And it's just a full circle. I always try to picture it as like, yes, it's new. Yes, these are success. This is successful. This is not successful. This is what our goals are. But also, how can we optimize? What can we change? Um, and that just bleeds into another product launch. So it just depends on the initiative. But we're very, very strategic. We have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with online and offline and all the different complexities that that builds in. It, it, it gets me thinking about like brand marketing versus performance marketing. Like I, I remember, you know, before starting Mint, like one of my, I used to go into these big brands and be so baffled at the fact that like, you've got brand teams, performance teams, creative teams, and none of them really spoke, spoke to each other. And even within search, I remember, I won't name the brand, but a pretty big brand that everyone would know of. And it's probably not uncommon, right? But like their their search team didn't talk to their shopping team who didn't talk to the retargeting. Like just the separation is kind of crazy. So a brand like Crown Affair, where you've got you've got Sephora going on, you've got, I mean, you even mentioned it, brand marketing versus performance marketing. Um, how do, how do you make sure that it all ties together and is there an attribution model or a measurement model that you're using that, you know, helps you understand everything holistically? Yeah. So kind of a two-part question. First, I completely agree with you. They are hand in hand. It cannot be brand versus performance. And and we have, um, we've learned that the hard way. We really have. I think every brand probably goes through that. And I, I always call it healthy disagreements in my team because I'm like, I think it's healthy for our brand team to sit with me. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. It's not going to perform well. And they're like, it doesn't matter. It is our, our brand. We have to stay true to our brand ethos and who we are. So we always call it these healthy arguments because it's good and it's healthy. Um, but in terms of attribution, it's marketer's favorite question um, and something we all struggle with. And so I am a huge proponent. I work with a company called Solve, which kind of sits as our like external data analyst team, um, who's absolutely incredible. And so we work with them in terms of all of our reporting, um, our attribution model, and they they just have scripts on our site that really measure any sort of attribution window. I think post iOS 14 and, and really diving into what that world brought us as marketers, we can now, you know, we rely very less heavily on in-platform data and we have to look at attribution models in a completely different way. Um, and so every platform says a different model. We all know this, uh, different attribution window. And so having a platform that 
can you can see everything holistically is absolutely crucial. Um, I know you partner and work a lot with Triple Whale, which I've heard amazing things about. So it's kind of just ensuring that you have a platform like that while simultaneously looking at Shopify, Google Analytics. You are still, I'm still looking at in-platform data just to see what's going on where. Um, and so that's crucial, I think, to have one of those platforms, but also looking at everything holistically, again, taking it back and being like, okay, well, you know, a healthy brand, we're driving a crazy amount of traffic and sales from direct and search. Um, but what are we doing to optimize on other things that, you know, email and SMS, where we're kind of seeing this month over month about the same, or, you know, we're starting to see that slow trend. How can we optimize? How are we pouring into our retargeting audience on paid when we have all these retargeting channels that are free? So it's kind of like, what does this look like? And so looking at everything all together, oh my gosh, has made such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. We use, we use triple well, um, which is really helpful, but then also I think like you mentioned it in like how you think through strategy, um, you know, it's, it's also understanding that, that, okay, it might be brand marketing, but if you're not capitalizing on that and bringing people into your performance marketing, I even hate the fact that it's got different names, but understand it. Um, it's so imp- it's so important, right? And it's been especially for brands as they're getting to certain revenue thresholds, that becomes even more important, right? Because as you as you as you get bigger, you know your your acquisition costs are potentially rising. So that kind of halo network effect of brand marketing becomes even even more important. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, it's so crucial. We, I mean, and I think even things like we launched a bundling landing page, which we call Build Your Ritual. And so that started with me purely making that decision based off of data and based off of wanting, you know, what our UPT was and what our AOV was. And so why I thought that that was a really crucial aspect to increase certain things. So it really came from data and, and that decision. And then that fully led to, okay, brand team, here you go, have fun, go crazy. And they built it into this beautiful editorial arm and brand arm for our company. And so that's like a perfect example of how important it is to have the two work together. I could have easily easily just worked with my dev team, threw us throw some copy and some some imagery that we already have in Dropbox and called it a day. And it would have done well, but just okay, we take this, you know, they're fixing so many examples, but we take this initiative um, and we work with brands to fully allow them to go crazy with how they want it to come to life. And now it lives on every single channel and it's pushed so beautifully. And it's like one of our, it's a huge percentage of revenue already. And it launched, you know, six months ago. So it kind of, if you can let yourself as performance marketers, rely on other you know people in your company that and entrust their expertise it's makes it makes all the difference for sure i have to say crown affair does have some of the best aesthetics of any brand out there which i know you're a large part um a, a part of the reason as to why but yeah it, everything looks incredible everything looks thank incredible. you um, yeah we uh we are very strict about, we always say that when, <laughs> even when Mitt is like, we'll help you create ads. I'm like, as much as I want to say yes to this, <laughs> we are like every little tiny thing is so incredibly thought about. So thank you. But I think, yeah. you know, I think like, as long as you get the balance right of um, on brand, but if you want something to perform, if the expectation is that something's going to drive a, a direct return, like it has to reflect that, you know? Um, so I think, it, it, it it's done in the right way um but you know you wouldn't run a 
a really brand driven kind of like marketing piece as a lower funnel retargeting ad potentially. Do you see what I mean? So, um, so obviously crown affair, are you in Sephora? Are you, you're going to be in Sephora this year? We are in Sephora. So we launched in Sephora last February on .com and in store. We are in about 56 stores across the US and then .com. Yeah. I'm sure my daughter has some of your stuff because she buys everything from Sephora. Um, you know, in, in this ecosystem, and you even mentioned it, DTC, it, it, I think previously it's been seen as like a business model. Um, so for you, how has going into Sephora changed potentially any of your digital activations are you running digital activations directly driving has that cannibalized dtc or e-commerce revenue like how have you managed that yeah this is it makes me laugh because it is my what keeps me up at night <laughs> and it is everything that we do um so, no it's been a, a challenge to be completely honest but it has been a very fun challenge nonetheless so you know, for a perfect example is um, we have two market meetings a year with Sephora that kind of just dictate the coming months. Um, and so last, not this last market as in a few, a few weeks ago, but the one before, so several months ago, one thing that they told us was, you know, you guys need to really focus on a hero skew. And, you know, of course, our original response is we don't have a hero skew. We, all of our skews are heroes. And so um, they were like, you know, I think, within the Sephora and giving us all the reasons why that's extremely crucial for success at Sephora. Um, you know, we took a step back and then here we are now, our leave-in conditioner, which is the most incredible product. Um, but that is our entire focus for the year. And that is so much um, focus this year in terms of every single possible channel that you can think of. And so what that looks like, how that lives, how we're talking, you know, I think another thing is brand voice, um, how we are, relevant to the Sephora customer, someone who's walking in and out of a store or who is completely over stimulated on Sephora.com with hundreds and hundreds of brands. How do we stand up, stand out? So positioning ourselves very strategically for the Sephora consumer, but also staying true to who we are is very difficult, um, both on the brand side and digitally. And I think, you know, even things like you know, paid marketing, I driving traffic to site and seeing a decrease and obviously overall mer and overall things that, you know, in platform row has things like that, that we are just willingly, because for us, you know, you have to just take a step back and think of it. The goal there is to increase overall traffic to Sephora. And that's a win for me. So if I'm seeing a, de a decrease, you know, here and there, and, I, and I'm seeing an increase where, where it needs to be on the other end, that's a win. So we're learning as we're growing. I think a huge thing here is influencer marketing for us, um, who we're choosing when to talk about Sephora versus direct and what links they're including where and how, and oh my goodness, it's it's been um, so important from PR. Are we having them link in, you know, display ads for PR things and all of our articles related to Sephora or is it chronicler.com? And so um, it just, again, comes down to, everything that we are aiming for and what our goals are top line. So it is more Sephora doors. It's increasing in Sephora is such a huge focus of ours. And so we are on the performance side as, you know, as well as brand and just as an overall company, like we're doing everything that we can to see both succeed. Um, but it's, yeah, it's important and it's, it's been quite the challenge, but it's been fun. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I think, um, 
And I think like, it's really interesting, you know, because like I said, I think DTC was seen as like a business model and I'm seeing more and more brands think, well, there is another world out there. And so like, you know, like actual retail presence and stuff like this is something you see more brands doing, right? Whether it's like pop-ups or flagship store, like whatever that might be. And I think to your point, it's if, if that's not managed correctly with a proper strategy of, well, what's the ultimate goal and how to think through this, you know, you get to a point where you're not understanding what's driving what, and it could potentially cannibalize um, on either end. So um, yeah, interesting to get your take on, on that. Uh, so I appreciate it. Um, what's been the, what's been the highest ROI marketing strategy or tactic you've used? This could be crown affair, or maybe it was Buck Mason, or maybe it was, um, you mentioned influencer marketing, actually, I'd be really keen to get more insight on that, whether that answers the question or not. I think a lot of people, you know, realize the potential of influencer marketing, but I mean, I talk to a lot of brands and it's probably 50, 50 of people to say I've tried it. And it absolutely doesn't work. And 50% people I've tried it and it really works. So actually we can come back to that question. Talk to me a bit more about how you set yourself up for success on influencer marketing. Yeah, that's such a good question. Cause it has been, we hired someone to oversee this channel for us about eight months ago now. And I just, someone solely focused on this and seeing the positive impact that it's had just right there is such a huge uh, answer to why it can be successful. I will say for influence marketing, my biggest thing here and why companies I think can maybe miss it and miss the opportunity I should say is because they're not, you can easily pour in hundreds of thousands of dollars and send to everyone as a micro influencer nowadays. And you can do that all day long. You can seed hundreds of product. You can send to everyone. You can pour so much money into it. Um, but I think my biggest thing here and what we've seen the most success with is being extremely strategic on who we are sending to. So, and I mean, that is we manual, we do our entire influencer marketing uh, in-house. And now I know that that needs to change eventually as we scale, unfortunately, but right now everything is handled um, in-house and we're so strategic about who we choose to send to from both the macro, I hate using these terms, but from the macro level. So, um, and that's measured just on followers, that's measured on engagement, that's measured um, just in terms of, you know, who this influencer may work with in terms of other brands, if they have a relationship with our founder, Diana, things like that. Um, and then more micro and everything that we, that we do is extremely strategic and it's all thought about for, um, oh my gosh, there, there's such a process, but it really is like, again, from a product launch example, like we are so strategic about, you know, say we're seeding, which, you know, means sending product to 50 girls. Um, who we're sending to is all based on like, say it's we just on our dry shampoo. Well, has this person, what type of content do they post? What do they talk about? Do they need the dry shampoo? If we send it to them, where do we think that they will get content? Is, do they have a bathroom? Do they usually shoot stuff outside? Will they shoot stuff? And so, and then every single brief um, is tailored to that specific creator. And so I think, I know that that's tedious. I know that a lot of companies probably can't do that. And I probably will get to a point where we can't do that as um, as granular soon, but it's so it's made a, um, a huge difference. And not only from a content perspective and the content being beautiful, but also, um, developing these relationships with these women 
that are so loyal. So they want to continue and they'll continue posting about us and they don't, oh, it's okay. I'll, you know, they don't have to get paid as much because we've developed this relationship with them. And so relationship building, being extremely strategic of who you're choosing to send to and how much and why, and then also measuring that success. Um, so affiliate links, brand ambassador programs, this is where platforms that are super helpful come into play. That is so important, but measuring success in terms of, um, what what does that actually look like? So if I'm you know spending a crazy amount of money for this influencer to post for us, what is she actually going to do for us? And so, or if it's not really measurable and it's something that I'm like, it's okay, I'm actually don't really care how much revenue we make. It's more of an, a top of funnel brand awareness perspective. Okay, great. That that marks you know our box in terms of successful. So it really just depends on on who and what. But I think being very smart about um, your approach is so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that uh, paying real attention to the actual influencer, what does their follower look like as well? Like, is there is there following a community we actually want to tap into? What's their ability to create good content? Um, I think all those things massive uh, matter massively. You know, and I think in the broader ecosystem, there's two different approaches I'm seeing to influence marketing. One is send it to as many people as you possibly can and whittle the funnel down, you know, which it, if that works and, and it, I've seen it work from other people's case studies, you know, so I, I can't discount it, but I think where we, where you've seen success, where Mincy's success is being really specific in who, why, what for, right. Um, in terms of the influencer type of creative, the communities, what do we want them to produce? And also, you know, you mentioned, are we looking for revenue? Are we looking for great content tapping into a community, but more of an awareness play? Like that also really matters. Are we using it for ads or are we using it for network effects and brand awareness or something like that? Yeah, the end result content has made such a huge difference too. And you get this better than anyone on the whitelisting and spark ad side of things and having to use certain creators strategically to be able to run ads and so in having those conversations and negotiation because for me I'm like well am I going to spend this much more money for use to rights when I have no idea if the ads can work or not and so it's like having those conversations and we all know how it, that's probably for most brands right now UGC is one of the top performing ad creatives and so you know it's just we our founder um, actually very thankful that she's such an incredible content creator and she is very active on you know TikTok and Instagram and her socials and her content continuously performs so well for us on the ad side and so just leaning into what works and what doesn't um, on the influencer side is so important but we've seen a lot of success with just focusing on it um, in a different and strategic way and hopefully we get to a point where we can just see to anyone and everyone and that would be the goal because we really is one of our main top line goals is get product and in front of as many people as possible or in the hands of as many people as possible and then get the brand and in front of as many people as possible is what we love to say. And so it's just one of the things you, you try the product and it is very hard not to love it. And so um, being really smart about what that looks like is so important. Yeah. It does help when you have a amazing product, which is, which crown affair definitely does. You mentioned TikTok. Um, are you, uh, are you spending on ads on TikTok? How has TikTok worked for you? Um, what's your take on that as a channel? Yeah, well, 
Oh gosh, I have a love hate relationship with TikTok. Um, I know we really do. We really do. I think it's just it's interesting. I I know that TikTok as a platform doesn't favor brands as much um, as they do, you know, their their creators. And so there's two sides: the organic side where we are being really smart with the type of content that we're posting and when and how and what. Um, and we're testing constantly. And then on the paid side, we are running spark ads and we are running um top of funnel like awareness campaigns and so it's doing great and it's been successful there's i'm not pouring in a crazy amount of money right now i'm very slowly scaling as we're testing what again what works and and what's not but um yeah so we we see it paid side we see it from an organic side and then also like i said our founder um has a very successful channel as well and so how are we utilizing kind of the three arms of TikTok. Um, I think one thing companies can do and this kind of can be risky is just pouring in a ton of money into TikTok and just hoping for that viral (laughs) anything to go live and happen. And I think, trust me, I am the first person to say, you know, what if we see to this person and what if we spend this much on this person to really have that potential virality lift? But I think that it's such a saturated channel right now in terms of brands and every quote unquote, you know, macro TikTok influencer is probably doing the same for, let's just say credit for instance, 12 other hair care brands. And so it's just, again, being smart on who you choose and how you're spending your money and your time, but it is a very important channel. I will absolutely say that it really is. And from an omni-channel perspective, kind of going back to I think what's the biggest ROI question? Um, I think approaching omnichannel very strategically is one of the biggest successes that I've seen. So being relevant and having a presence on every channel um, and optimizing on what works and what doesn't and how the channels are speaking to each other is has made one of the biggest differences. Um, for my personal career as a marketer and making those decisions, but also for Crown Affair and as our company. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was at Crown Affair when TikTok launched. And so that's what reminded me in, in saying that is I was, I remember when it first happened, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Brands are being, like, I was joking about it being like a, a new channel. And now here I am. And it's like, I've said the word TikTok probably a thousand times a day. So it just, you know, it just depends. But Omnichannel is just one of the biggest things I've seen having relevance and a presence on every possible channel where you can is, is so crucial. Yeah, I agree. I think it seems daunting though. If you're, if you're, if you're establishing a presence, you know, if you, I, I'd say the traditional route for a brand is like, okay, we'll, we'll do something on email and SMS. Then we'll test some Facebook ads. We'll probably do some Google brands, then a bit of shopping. I think, um, I think one of the things that stops brands from being confident in testing channels and maybe inconsistent around their approaches is because they don't potentially don't have that overarching strategy of like, well, what are we trying to achieve by doing this as a, as a way to hold those, that, that omni-channel approach accountable to a goal. And then if you, if you don't have that, then you don't have the right measurement in place. How do you even know if it's been successful? So I think everything you said at the beginning around, well, we're very strategic and our brand teams, and we come up with a plan and a go-to-market, that sets the stage for then 
being a truly omni-channel brand because you have the strategy. So you know what you're trying to achieve and how it all ties together. Then you have the right measurement through um, the company you're using um, around measurement to then hold the strategy and execution accountable to it. That's so true. Yeah, it really is. I remember when I started at Con Affair, we, my biggest, maybe this was just with my experience, I came in and it was, we were very, very, you know, brand focused. And so it was a lot of, I hate this word more than anything, but is this a vibe? Is this beautiful? Is this cool? And everything felt like a blog and it felt, you know, super artsy, um, which was amazing. And it was beautiful. And I was like, okay, but does all of this work? (laughs) Does this not work? Is this making us money? And so I think the biggest thing is like coming in and building such a strong, well-oiled middle of funnel machine. So the things you're talking about of like email, SMS flows, win back campaigns, triggered emails, like redoing our website completely to make it actually feel like an e-commerce website. Um, so, I mean, I could, the list goes on. And so now that that is just really, you know, set it and forget it for us from the paid side, organic side, I mean, the whole, every channel now it's like, okay, what are we doing to acquire new customers and what are we doing to really establish this like very loyal following of people to continue to come back and, you know, increase LTV and rebuy rates and things like that. And so it all goes hand in hand though, um, from approaching it from an omni-channel perspective, but also being really, um, yeah, really smart about your just full funnel approach. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I should want to ask you another question around, um, cause crown affair, you know, you have such a loyal consumer base, right? I think that's one thing that, um, that you've always said crown affair has, how do you like, for, I guess it's like the holy grail of a lot of brands, you know, um, is to have real loyal customers. So once you acquire them, they are loyalists. Um, what do you think? What, like, how do you do that? What's the secret or not secret? How does crown affair think about driving that loyalty and nurturing those customers that you have acquired? And, um, cause I think it's one of the best examples I've seen around a brand doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, gosh, it's a great question. I will start. The first thing that came to mind when you said that was have amazing product. There you go. Because <laughs> it makes your <laughs> it makes your yeah. job so much easier. It's um, funny how that helps, and, and right? <laughs> it's so funny not having to like convince people that your product is really good. And so when I say the goal is to get product in people's hands, I mean that in a way that's like genuinely. I, I mean, our product is is so incredible. It's so unique and innovative. The products are clean. The long-term results are absolutely amazing. And so that is that is so helpful to have that. So I'll say that is one thing. Another thing is um, because our product catalog is so small and we're not just, you know, how do we get this customer? It, it's different, right? Where you have like shampoo and conditioner, someone's buying that every couple of months. If they love it, they need to use it in their shower. Um, from a towel or a tool, so brushes, combs, um, our hair towel, how do we increase you know, rebuy rates and things like this from our loyal consumers. And so this looks like product education. Um, How are we talking to our people that have already bought these products to utilize them in a different way or to gift them to someone, or we're not a salesy brand, we're not a discount brand, but when and if we do, um, should we talk about that from a gifting standpoint in terms of, hey, you know, let's send an email to towel users and say, hey, we, we know that you have this and that you love it today we're doing a 15% off, send it to your mom, you know, like little things like that to like really utilize and optimize those bottom of funnel um, 
to like make it personal and make it unique and to, you know, we have SMS VIP flows and like all of these different smaller things that feel maybe tedious or, oh, you know, we already have them in the funnel. They're already rebuying the shampoo every single month. Great. You know, but actually like that's one of your most important parts of your business. And so how can you talk about your product in a different way? Like I said, education um, and celebrate them for being your loyal customers. One thing we do all the time is we email them. We talk to them. We call them. <laughs> you're like, hey, you're part of this VIP list. And, you know, we know that you've spent X amount of money or have rebought this product X amount of times. Like, do you want to be part of this perception study? Do you, we'd actually love to ask you, for example, we're doing a hair quiz and so the first thing that we do and we think of is let's like ask our customers what questions they would want to be asked on a hair quiz. So we are just like utilizing that bottle of bottom of funnel, um, loyal, true customers to honestly make so many decisions for us as a company, which I think has made a really big difference. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Um, when I, when I had Chris on the podcast, he you know, I said, I asked him, what's the number one piece of advice you would give brands is to talk to your customers more. Um, yeah, it's so true. You know, it's, yeah, it yeah. really is. Right. And to pay attention to what they're saying about the brand. And if you want, if you want loyalists in your brand, it can't be a one way conversation. It can't just be you talking at them. So I love, I love what you said about kind of bringing them in almost like being influencers of the brand in in a, in a way right like you're asking them questions you're soliciting feedback from them and involving them in the brand i think that's uh super smart yeah it's so it's so important and it's really it's honestly fun and how else are you going to i think as you know we work for the company so one would say we're probably biased but you know how are our customers and honestly probably our little customers are also just as biased because they, you know, I have so many friends and, and family members and people who just absolutely love it. And so I'm like, I'm not going to ask you to be part of this perception study because you're just going to have a biased opinion and say it's the most amazing thing you've ever tried. But we really do have so many customers that really will give us so much time. When I say we get on like genuine, like Google Hangout calls with people and we're just like, hey, we're doing anything that you can possibly think of and, and really getting their feedback and, and talking to them from, you know, we did the city activations plan that was great in terms of what other cities have we not really like have a presence in that has maybe a Sephora drawer. We have great success with online sales. We're not really doing, should we do an event there? Should we do some sort of pop-up? Should we have Diana fly in? Let's call customers there and ask them what they think. So it really has become such a big part of our brand um, that has, yeah, it's been fun, but also really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, switching, um, paces a, a, a minute what are some common mistakes you see brands making with their marketing approach i i know you quite well so i know you live and breathe marketing and i know crown affair keeps you very busy but i know you're very plugged into this ecosystem so um yeah what are some common mistakes you see brands making in their in their marketing approach and then i guess second part to that what advice would you give brands on you know how to set themselves up for success yeah. Oh gosh, a good one. You do know me so well and we both work way too much, but <laughs> it really, I think we're all, <laughs> we're all in this, you know, boat together. So I think when I say what I mistakes, I think brands are making probably we're making as well. I think 
kind of what I talked about from like a brand and creative side, like really they are hand in hand. And I think that's first and foremost, I think where a lot of brands can get um, wrapped up in it being different. And I know we talked a little bit about that. So I would say that's a big one. Um, And things as little as like landing page testing, e-com optimizations, like all of these things that we know, um, I'm kind of speaking for myself right now, but that we know work. Um, but really taking a step back and spending time and focus and an effort on things that, um, that we know we're going to, that are going to move the needle. And so I think, you know, we talked about attribution models. We talked about like getting answers to things that, um, you know, that we know are going to make a huge difference and really spending time on those things, I think is where people can make mistakes is that we're just constantly going. We're constantly trying to do the next big thing. And we're constantly trying to, you know, TikTok came about and everyone stopped what they were doing and only focused on TikTok. Um, iOS 14 launched, everyone stopped what they were doing and completely shifted their strategies. And so I know that we can all be in the same boat and we can all get in that um, that place of, okay, influencer marketing is huge right now. Everyone stop what you're doing and let's pull out all, all of our budget here and here, pour it all into influencer marketing. You know, we're all guilty of that. And so I think all of us, myself included, just like taking a step back and really like looking at what's working and what's not and um, making very strategic and smart decisions. So I think those are mistakes with it. Like I said, we can all be making in in areas of opportunity that we can um, lean into. I think, like we said, attribution is huge, being really strategic in your channels, having cohesive storytelling from like content perspective, I think is an opportunity that brands can really lean more into. I can't tell you how many times I see a brand on TikTok and a brand on Instagram and I go to their website and I feel like I'm looking at three different brands. (laughs) So I think that is so important. Um, Having cohesive storytelling and content um, is huge. So new and innovative content. I think every brand also is looking the same right now. If you ask me, everyone is using the same photographers, has the same influencers, is all the same colors, all the same text overlay. So it's how are you being different and innovative and, and fun and approachable. Um, so I think that's a big one. And then, gosh, advice. Um, I think just give yourself grace. Honestly, we're really all in this together. I think there are so many things that um, we're probably all doing wrong and things that we're all doing right. But, you know, marketing is so much fun. It really, really is. It's um, really from like a psychological standpoint, it's so fun to understand buying behavior and how customers are shopping, you know, not just for your own brands. This is what I love so much about marketing is it's nothing, not even just from a crown affair perspective, but in general, you know, given the economy and what's going on in the world. And I just find it so interesting how, you know, companies ebb and flow based off of what's happening in every other industry. And it's just so fun for me and really understanding consumer behavior and what people are, where they're clicking and how, and, you know, kind of like just, I know that's super nerdy with the nerdy side of it. And then what you can do to make, you know, small changes that actually make such a huge difference is the most fun part to me. So have fun. Like I said, just give yourself grace and not think that, you know, everything's failing because I was pretty launched or because TikTok launched. So um, that's probably my best advice. <laughs> I love that. That's great advice. And I, I love the bit about consumer psychology. I think like, you know, you need a balance of the two. I feel like in marketing and that, like, 
you know, there's, there's, it's art and science, right. To use that phrase. But I think like at the, you you got all this data available to you and we've never had more, you know, I know people will say, well, there's less data in platform, but if I look at all the data available now compared to, I mean, I'm much older than you, but when I first started getting into marketing, we have way more data now than we ever did. And I actually think that provides a level of complexity. You, you, you could get into a place where you're, you're trying to analyze too many data points um, and you spend your time trying to make data make sense versus data to support the marketing or justify your marketing activities as to what you're, as to what you're doing. But, you know, so much of this, you need that data in place, but so much of marketing, if you like real step back, it's like you're trying to get someone to buy something off a picture in a video, right? Exactly. Like, that's yeah. what it all comes down to. You've got this entire ecosystem, all these channels, all these strategies. And really what you're trying to do is get attention and make someone think, I want to buy that at some point and then get them to buy it. So that consumer psychology is such a crucial part of everything we're doing. Um, and you kind of spoke about, you know, everything you're doing from how you're positioning your creative to talking to your current customers to, to bring them into the brand and get them to be loyalists like I, I know, again I know you so I know you really get that side of things but it I think it's a really crucial thing for brands to think about um you know really really thinking kind of consumer centric in terms of how you're thinking about your creative and your overall marketing yeah I think I'm stealing this quote from someone and I don't know who but it really if you don't have customers you have nothing and so <laughs> it really is you know it's yeah, as exactly. simple as that yeah Truly really as simple as that. If you don't it have really customers, is. you do not have a brand. And so yeah. I think 100%. it's, yeah, it's really, it's really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Amazing. All right. Um, last question, Jordan. What are you most excited about this year for Crown Affair? Oh, gosh. I think, to be honest, we have really big goals this year. And I am a very competitive person. <laughs> and so... Um, my boss always laughs at me because she's always like, I feel like I should just start giving you these crazy goals. Cause I very rarely don't hit them. <laughs> so I'm like, let me, what can I do? That's super crazy. And let's try to hit it. And so we, we do have really big goals this year. And I think, um, you know, we have a lot of kind of reorgs happening internally where we keep saying in all of like our internal decks and stuff, it's very funny. We keep saying we're becoming a big girl brand. <laughs> and so I think honestly, that is what I'm most excited about this year from a credit fair perspective and just my overall career is the challenge of hitting some pretty big goals, both on the Sephora side, as well as the direct side. And, um, yeah, it's fun. And it, and I'm excited, you know, we, we get things thrown our way all the time as marketers and a lot of change happens. And so I think I'm constantly redoing my, for example, this year, the 2023 plan, I think has changed like seven times already, and it'll probably change another 40. So it's really just, you know, being smart and really leaning into, you know, like I said, just our big goals and what we're trying to hit. And um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a big challenge, but that's always the, my favorite part of what I do. So I have I have no doubt you are very competitive. So I have no doubt you'll, <laughs> you'll hit those goals. Um, I sure am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Um, you. Like I said, you're one of my favorite people in marketing. I know you live and breathe this world. So I think you um, are really exciting to watch your journey at Crown Affair. Amazing brand. Um, if people want to connect with you, 
What's the best way? Are you on Twitter? I don't I don't know if you are you on Twitter or anything like that. What's the best place for people to find you? a good question i am but not as active i would probably say yeah instagram you know twitter's fine too it's just my at and my first name and my last name so at or linkedin on all my channels yeah all your channels <laughs> it's easy. and crown and crown affair um is just crownaffair.com yep crownaffair.com amazing for any anybody out there looking for amazing hair care products um yes. or if you want to peep peep jordan's marketing uh strategies just go and Go and join the Crown Affair <laughs> ecosystem. Yes, send me all your feedback. <laughs> Amazing. Jordan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Always. Thank you.